This is actor Adam Hirschman from the movie Zen Dog, and you're listening to the podcast of thousands. Hey, yo, you are listening to the podcast of thousands. Late night talk, showcasing performers, and last time, with zero the budget, here's your host, Mikey P. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Michael Panessa, and this is the podcast of thousands, where we showcase performers, from actors to YouTubers and everything in between. Just a reminder, we're podcast of thousands on... Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google Plus, and Tumblr. If there's a there there, Podcast of Thousands is there. Yeah, right there. On tonight's show, we'll have guest comedian Phil Johnson. <laughs> I was on the road uh, last year with this other comic, and he's a, we were in North Dakota, and he's a strip club guy. Gotta find the strip club in every town we're in. And I'm not a strip club guy. I got a girlfriend at home. It cost me enough money to get her out of her clothes. You know, I don't, uh, I don't need the venue for it, is what I'm saying. And music by his comedic band, Roadside Attraction. But first... Pitches get riches. On tonight's show, we have a Kickstarter pitch from Josh Barsness about his film Beta Fish. We're going to try and help Joshua reach the goal of $25,000. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to this interview. How much have you raised so far? We're about $9,600 some dollars. Uh, as of today, with 21 days to go remaining on our campaign. Excellent, excellent. Good, good, good start. Good start. Got to get you, got to get you over that hump and all the way, all the way there. So that's what we're gonna try to help you with in promoting your Kickstarter. So you're gonna have, uh, you're gonna have 60 seconds to pitch. So I'm sure you've, you're prepared and you're ready to go, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That sounds confident. Uh, what you're going to hear if you do hit that 60-second mark is this. All right, don't be afraid. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't bite. Okay. Are you ready to pitch? Ready as I'll ever be. Ready, set, pitch. Yeah, so Beta Fish is a story that revolves around two central characters. Uh, one of them is Danny Bishop. He's the one of the leads. He's a gambling and poker prodigy, a uh, bit of a manipulative uh, smartass. His mouth is often getting him into trouble, and he is fresh out of prison. And while he was in prison, he was being protected by Alex, who's the other lead. She is the uh, mob boss queen of the city, sort of like the empress, if you will. And she is a very delightful, elegant sociopath person. Uh, the name Alex is actually derived from Glenn Close's character, Alex in Fatal Attraction, and also Alex in A Clockwork Orange. And I wanted to write a really provocative, good role for a girl, because right now there's a lot of issues in cinema where people of ethnicity, 
simultaneously women really don't get their fair share part and uh there <laughs> was the inspiration and that was the inspiration be, uh behind writing beta fish excellent excellent okay Okay, I got a couple of questions for you. Okay. In your Kickstarter video, mm -hmm. were you comparing President Trump to Darth Vader? You know what? No, but I think I should start doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did I get that? How did I get that from your video? You were talking about, uh, I think you were talking about some of the uh, some of the money that is being taken away from the arts? Yeah, so the National Endowment Arts will be, and if not, has already been cut by the Republican Party, mostly being provoked by Donald Trump. And in theory, yeah, he would be Darth Vader. Um, I don't know how, but I got that from your video. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> glad. Wasn't really my goal, but now that I think about it, that sounds really, uh, really badass, I have to say. All right, you can take the credit for it. Thanks. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, yeah, and then in the video, I think it was just more of mainstream blockbuster movies are also kind of the Death Star in Hollywood, too. So, and Darth Vader, if you will. Okay, so this uh, mob boss queen, Alex, is she Italian? She's not. She's oh. actually uh, Asian. Asian mob. Depending on who we cast. Asian mob? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I was going to say, because I could help you out with, uh, you know, if you needed any notes on lines, because I'm Italian. But uh, Asian, I can't help you with. I can't help you with Asian. Yeah, we didn't want to have, I mean, we could have Italian. It's, it's open for any kind of age or ethnicity. Okay. Uh, we would be more lenient towards having someone of ethnicity versus just having a white girl just because there's a lot of issues with whitewash in Hollywood, something we're trying to stay away from. Got it. Got it. Why are you making this film? Well, for one, I get to be in a movie. I'm an actor. And I would like to be in a film, but also a film that has a good message and that's going to kind of upset the establishment. So if you do back our film, uh, as if you see in the Kickstarter video, uh, you're going to be a pillar of the um, artistic community, but also a rebel. Um, and I want to write a very provocative film. And we had a public reading that was hosted by the Twin Cities Film Fest. Uh, and they selected it uh, basically because it's something that's taking things and flipping them on their head and having more of a provocative twist in our contemporary storytelling. Thank you, Josh, and good luck. Thank you. Have a great day. You can get all the details and links about the film Beta Fish in our show notes. And that was... Pitches Get Riches. And now I'd like to welcome our guest, comedian Phil Johnson. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you, Michael, for having me. This is going to be fun, man. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Keeping busy. Lots of stuff going on, as always. Phil Johnson from the comedic band Roadside Attraction, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, at times. Yeah, at it's because uh, well, yeah, I mean, I started uh, performing solo, uh, uh, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. So that means uh, I don't have to split the money at the end of the night, uh, which means I actually have a band behind me about once every five to seven years. But uh, I do release everything under that Roadside Attraction name and I do have a band. I just don't see them that often. <laughs> yeah, you're a, you're a busy man. Comedy, music, touring, albums, videos blog podcast oh yeah man you Everything. keep you keep every minute of every day used huh uh, apparently and uh, and sometimes i even make time to sleep but not that often <laughs> so what came first the the comedy or the music 
The music actually came first because I have a degree in jazz. I started playing uh, music when I was eight years old. My first instrument was the flute, and then I picked up piano at about 12 or 13, and then started playing guitar at 16, and then uh, I was a physics major in college originally. And once I failed Calculus three again, I decided that maybe physics was not the right place for me. And so I went to uh, – I decided – because I was doing music everywhere else. Except when I went to school, I was doing physics. So I decided to just go to the music department. I got a degree in jazz, uh, somehow managing to not play a lot of jazz. Uh, I played a lot of funk and blues and Latin and stuff like that. Lots of classical music training, all that kind of stuff. So that was the roadmap was I wanted to be uh, really I wanted to be the guitar player in a rock band. Uh, and then in a, I ended up uh, being the singer and guitar player in a rock band. And then I ended up being the solo singer songwriter type guy on the side. And then I happened to write a couple of funny songs. Uh, one was called Whale Blubber, which is a love song. And uh, I have another one called, uh, I had another one called Two of Me, which was about a homicidal schizophrenic maniac uh, who falls in love and only one of the guy's personalities likes the girl and the other one wants to murder her. So I had these couple of songs. A real tearjerker, right? It's a, it's a, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I took these couple of songs and I went to this music convention in Las Vegas that one of my mentors uh, was putting on every year. And we were just sitting around the pool just jamming songs for each other and whatever. And and I played Whale Blubber for the group of people that was sitting there with us. And the next morning, everybody was like, that's what you should be doing is the funny stuff. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's just, it's B-sides. I was just getting stuff out of my brain. They were like, yeah, but we can't get the stupid Whale Blubber song out of our head. And so I wow. lived on those couple of songs for quite a while. Uh, wrote a couple more uh, funny ones. I was doing like half funny, kind of half serious. And then the funny stuff started to stick with people. And I got invited to do a comedy music show in San Francisco at a place called the Hyena Theater that's not there anymore. And I still have a recording of that set. And I cringe uh, whenever I happen to listen to it because it's not not that great, uh, frankly, but <laughs> it was a start. And uh, so the MC of that show was a lady named Lynn Ruth Miller, who at the time, I want to say, was 72, 73 years old and uh, and doing a, a comedy act of her own. And she said, hey, you know what? I need a guitar player for my show. Do you want to come play guitar for me? And it was for a bit where I was playing uh, Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols while she did a striptease and threw underwear at the audience. It was hilarious. How old did she say she was? 72. Oh, wow. And she's still at it. She she lives in London now, and she's she's got quite a career going for herself uh, all these all these 12, 13 years later. Wow. Yeah. Same thing? She's doing the same thing? No, no. She does all sorts of stuff now. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that was that was one of her early bits. And, and uh, so she started dragging me around to her shows, and the other comics heard that I had some funny songs. So they started offering me sets, and uh, they were like, can you do five minutes? And I was like, I did four hours with my band last weekend. Yeah, I can do five minutes. And then you find out how long five minutes on a comedy stage really is. It's an yeah. eternity. And uh, and so it just kind of snowballed from there. And I caught all the regular, you know, guitar, comic, flack and from the traditionalists and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, well, fine, I'll learn how to do stand up, too, because I'd always enjoyed stand up. And uh, so I started doing doing the stand up as well. And now my show is about half and half. And uh, and yeah, just it was all a surprise to me. It was all an accident, a happy accident. OK, so and then but the band, uh, the band doesn't play with you as often anymore. Or how does that work? How's the band work? Yeah, not not as often. Uh, the last time we played together was two or three years ago, only because I'm spending most of my time working comedy clubs and casinos and things, places where the band is not an appropriate thing, where I go in and I do my comedy show. 
Um, and so when I did my my last comedy special called Pretty From The Back, I had the uh, band come on and do a couple of songs with me at the end of the show, which was great. So we had that. And we uh, a few years before that, we had filmed a concert film that cost a ton of money to do. And uh, uh, so I don't play with them as often just because I'm so busy doing the solo and comedy stuff that uh, that we don't get together as often as we like. But I still release everything under the Roadside Attraction name because I have a trademark on it and I have to maintain it. Got it, got it. So you've mentioned a couple of your songs, but where do you get where do you get the ideas for these songs? They just pop up in your head or Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's like uh when I was writing just regular straight music, I could work from a just a musical idea, a riff or a chord progression or, you know, something like that and I could build the song from there. But when I'm writing the comedy stuff, I find that I have to have a premise in mind first for the lyrics. And it's still always a, a solid song. It's I'm a musician at heart, so it's got to be a good song first, and then I put stupid lyrics on top of it to ruin it. But <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. That's sometimes I like funnier music than uh, regular music. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I mean, when I say ruin the song, I mean ruin it in a good way. And <laughs> so, I, yeah, I always have to have a premise in mind first. Of okay, that would be a funny premise. Is it a joke or is it a song? I always have to answer that question, too. And sometimes I'll sit down and write both. I'll write it as a stand-up bit, and then I'll write it as a song. And whichever one seems to work better, I'll kind of use that in the show. Yeah, you do this great thing I saw on YouTube. You break down your, your songs for the the more musically inclined, right? You actually show, oh, yeah. you show your uh, um, studio software and you break down the music that way. When did you get started in that? I've done a few of them so far. It's it's entirely a ripoff of a podcast called Music Exploder or Song Exploder. Okay. And which is a great podcast uh, where the guy has musicians on to break down their songs over like 20 minutes and they show you all the pieces and where they came from and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's a really neat idea. I'm going to steal it. And because <laughs> I don't play the kind of music that he's going to have on the show anyway. So I'm going to just use that idea and create some videos out of it. But it's... um. It's fun, and people seem to like to have that sort of uh, background information into what goes into creating that piece of music and, and all the tricks I use to make it sound like I know what I'm doing. So you got a lot of feedback from those? Yeah, yeah. Quite a few people have told me they enjoy those. So And they don't take long to do, which is nice. Very cool, very cool. Okay, so we have a, we have a special treat here for our listener. Phil, you're going to play an acoustic version of one of your songs, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a song uh, a friend of mine asked me to, she was having a co-ed baby shower, which is a horrible thing to begin with. Absolutely agree. Absolutely yeah, agree. She said, will you write a song for my baby about the miracle of childbearing? And I said, you've never heard my songs before, have you? <laughs> so that's what, uh, that's what this song is. The song's called Dodge to Bullet. Little baby, you were brought here through a miracle and a broken condom. I didn't know sperm carried knives, and somehow you got by the IUD, the diaphragm, the spermicide, and a morning after pill. But if daddy hadn't been so drunk and mommy hadn't run out of batteries, if daddy pulled out on time Instead of thinking about Angelina Jolie Then baby you wouldn't be here You'd have been wiped up with a towel A little baby, will your new life be a happy one? Or will you make your money Putting sausage between your buns Will you be a great man? 
who brings peace to all the land or the type of guy that lures kids into a big white cargo van and since you're pretty scary i'm really glad that you're not mine and i guess i'm pretty happy that your mommy cheated on me this time so go ahead and be just as evil as you wanna be hell yes i dodged that bullet and i'm free Bravo, bravo. Thank you. That poor baby. That poor how old's that baby now? How old's that baby? That baby is uh, about six years old now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they have not played that song for that baby yet. No, I don't think they have. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Tell me about this. Yeah, I mean I I mentioned you do a lot of stuff. Tell me about this pirate themed podcast. Oh, yeah. So I have a podcast called Under the Crossbones, and it is the law now that every comedian have a podcast. Uh, I think it was it was mandated at some point. That's true. Yep. And so I knew I had to, I wanted to start a show because I listen to tons of podcasts and I was I didn't want to start a comedy podcast because most of them are terrible. And I didn't want the pressure of having to be funny for an hour every week. Uh, it's enough pressure to be you know funny on stage for an hour at night. And uh, so I was looking around and I was like, well, what else am I into? that I could, you know, talk about every week. And I'm like, I'm a Disney nerd, but there's a whole bunch of Disney podcasts out there. Um, music podcasts are really difficult legally and logistically to do. So I didn't want to do that. And I was looking through my t-shirt collection and I was like, okay, I have t-shirts from comedy festivals. I have t-shirts from Disney stuff. And I have, oh, I've got a ton of pirate t-shirts because I've been sort of a pirate dork since I was a kid. Here in my office, I've got Pirates of the Caribbean stuff and Captain Hook stuff like lining the walls all over the place. And so I uh, I did a little digging to see if anybody was doing an interview show in the pirate community, which I, I didn't really know how big the pirate community is. I was sort of a closet pirate dork. How big is the pirate community? It's substantially larger than you might think it is. Really? Yeah, there are do dozens and dozens and dozens of festivals around the country. There are uh, online magazines, and there it's a fairly large um, group of people who are into this pirate fandom stuff. And that's everything from, you know, uh, Errol Flynn and Treasure Island all the way through the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff and and uh, and the historians and the treasure divers and things like that. And uh, so I started digging around to talk to people and I found a lot of really interesting people that I wouldn't have thought were as interesting as they might've been. Everybody's been really more interesting than I thought they were going to be for the most part. And uh, so I started just recording interviews with these folks and that's, it's everything from the pop culture side of it. Like I've had people who, who were in the Pirates of the Caribbean films and things like that. And I've had the dark, deep, deep history people like uh, John Chatterton, who is a wreck diver who actually discovered only the second legitimate pirate ship wreck in the ocean and wow. uh so i've had yeah really really interesting cool people on and the show has taken off in the community uh there's a couple other pirate podcasts out there but they're more like uh like a hardcore history dan carlin kind of thing you're coming up to a big milestone right yeah we're coming up to episode number 100 in a couple of weeks uh nice. which blows my mind man time time flies i don't even know what i'm going to do special for it yet i was like oh whoa ooh, a milestone is coming up i should i should think of something to do for that but uh yeah i mean we were featured on itunes a couple weeks ago cool uh, on the front page there i had a, an interview with jeff zanelli who is the score composer for the new pirates of the caribbean film so i had him on and uh it's really 
people that uh, who aren't in the pirate community dig the show too because they find out that it's we're not just going who's your favorite pirate it's really about whatever that person's art is if they're writer we're talking about writing if they're like i talked to the guy who um invented the captain morgan rum character he's a painter oh that's cool oh it's so great and he's a painter who's done like a zillion like sci-fi novel covers and things like that like all these books i read when i was a kid so it was really great to talk to him you know so we talked about painting and uh if i'm talking to uh historians that's when we'll go deep into the pirate stuff if i'm talking to musicians we'll talk music all that kind of stuff so it's really about whatever their discipline is that we usually get into on the show so it's really fun and the pirates is just a theme for us to get there so no real pirates yet no not so far i am trying to get somebody on to talk about somali piracy all the north african stuff and the modern piracy because i think it's important to to kind of bring that in there and so i've got a guy we're just trying to work out a date to uh to do the talk but that should be really interesting too that'd be a great 100th episode could be could be yeah yeah okay (laughs) what's this free pirate ebook you offer what is this so there is a book uh, called Pirates of Panama or Buccaneers of America. Uh, it's, it's been published under both titles uh, since 1678. And it's by Alexander Exquemelin, who was a doctor who ended up on pirate ship. 1678 is you're right in the golden age of piracy that everybody knows about. And he is a doctor that ended up on a few different pirate ships. And it's his stories and recollections from his time on those ships. So it's a it's one of those seminal pieces of pirate research literature that everybody refers to. Oh, very cool, very cool. I have to listen to a few episodes and good luck on the uh, 100th episode. Thank you. More like congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so I do my research and I was perusing your about page and okay. I, I think it's the first line. Phil Johnson is a man who gets mistaken for a woman. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got to call that out the first line of your uh, your about page. It's one of those things. I don't I, I have long hair and I wear a shiny red satin shirt on stage, um, which has its pros and cons in that I don't look like other comedians, which is good because people remember me more. I'm not a dude up in there, uh, you know, just wearing a hoodie and jeans. And uh, but when you do something like that, when you look out of place, you have to call that out immediately on a comedy stage. Otherwise, the audience is preoccupied by it until you do. And so that's been part of my opening stuff in my set for, for a lot of years now. And so I am often mistaken for a woman from the back uh, <laughs> because I have long hair. Luckily, luckily, that's it. Yes. Yeah. yeah not from the front. No, no never from the front. Never. No, the the hairy face gives it away on the front. But, you, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if I'm at the sink in a public restroom, I'll see a dude come in the door <laughs> behind me and like flinch and double check the sign on the door and then go, oh, all right, I'm in the right place. So that has been part of my experience for, for decades now, having long hair and every long hair guy knows that story. I'm laughing with you. I'm not I'm not laughing at you. Yeah, no. One of the classic ones is one night I went to a a vaudeville show with some buddies of mine, and they did this bit where part of the show, they came down off of the stage and all the girls ran around around sitting on the guy's laps and giving him a kiss on the cheek and all this. And the guys would run around and get down on one knee and sing to the ladies. So both my buddies have lipstick all over their faces. And from behind me comes a dude who gets down on one knee, spreads his arms to sing and goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And my friends never let me live that one down. So, yeah, it's a common occurrence. Talking about it on the stage is your therapy, right? Or maybe you go to therapy, too. 
No, I've, I don't need therapy. I'm pretty yeah. well adjusted, more so than a lot of comedians. A lot of comedians dislike that I'm so well adjusted. So <laughs> that's good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I had a I had a, a friend and I. We went to San Francisco once, and and we were at a we were at a bar, and we were it was we were standing because we couldn't find a seat at the bar, and mm-hmm. and uh, there was this person sitting at the bar. We can only see him from behind, and and it all intents and purposes it looked like a, a female to us and and uh this person was wearing a, a a blue sweater with uh it was knit and horses on it okay and uh you know we had, we had a few beverages and my buddy goes what kind of what kind of woman would wear such a horsey shirt <laughs> or sweater sweater sorry sweater and uh this person heard heard us unfortunately turned around yeah and and uh there was the facial hair mustache and uh uh, it was a man. He he stared us down. But and but the funniest thing is we just we froze uh, looking <laughs> looking at. We didn't like like look to the side or look away or anything like that. We we both froze up. But uh, yeah, we always we still talk about that horsey sweater. That was pretty. Funny. And, and in San Francisco, it's questionable from the front too. So it's you you never know what you'll true. get up there. True. I have true. a I have a friend who's who's trans and she came to open a show for me in uh, in a, a town called Turlock, which is sort of outside Sacramento. And after the show, she had left early and a guy comes up to me and he goes, I got to ask you a question. And I go, what? And he goes, did she really used to be a man? And I'm like, why would she lie about that on stage? <laughs> Half her show is about that. Yes, she used to be a man. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, some of these uh, look look a lot like you know, original women or whatever, whatever you call them. They, they look, they look, they look really, they look really good. I'll have to, I have to admit, I have to admit. The parts look OEM. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I've never seen the parts. I've never seen the parts, but, uh, facially and and body wise. Yeah. They, they can, uh, some of them can really pull it off. Yep. All right. All right. I got to change the subject. I got to change the subject. Um, I quiz my guests. It's one thing I didn't, uh, I didn't tell you. I keep that for my guests. I quiz you guys. Um, uh, you fancy yourself a big fan of 80s rock, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's I, I always say you're stuck with whatever you were listening to between 13 and 16. That's your comfort zone. Yep. Yep. My wife as well. And she's actually uh, drugged me back into it. I listen to a lot of it now these days, too. Um, I was more more in a 90s alternative, but I love 80s music as well. But uh, so I got a quiz for you. I got a quiz okay. for you. Some some 80s rock one hit wonders. So, Ooh, okay. All right. All right. I got uh, three songs for you and I just, I just need to know who sang them. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Three songs, three songs. Okay. So the first one is who sang the song. We're not going to take it. Twisted sister. Yeah. Sorry. Let's start out with an easy one for you. Start yeah. Out with an easy one. <laughs> the documentary on them is really good too. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Okay. Second one. Who sang the song. Cult of personality. Living color. Boom. Too easy. Too easy for you. Too <laughs> That's easy. A great song. All right. Too easy for you. Um, hopefully this one. Ho- I hope hopefully this one. Who sang because I, I don't know if they say the word in the song. Anyway, uh, who sang the song Epic? Faith No More. Oh. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say, you've been the fastest to answer. Any of my questions? I got a bonus one. This this is a okay. this is a no brainer. So the bonus one was going to be if you couldn't guess the other ones, I was going to. Okay. Was a, this was a, a real a real uh, softball. Uh, Sister Christian, who sang Sister Christian? Night Ranger. We opened for oh, those guys. Shut up. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, we when? did on on their reunion tour. Gosh, it was probably fifteen years ago or something like that. My singer at the time, I wasn't the singer at the time. My singer Tim, 
goes up to Jack Blades and he goes, hey, Jack, what does motoring mean? And Jack goes, <laughs> driving? And he's like, oh, all right. That's what I thought it meant. <laughs> like, like, Did you really ask him what motoring meant? Did you forget the boating? Did you forget yeah, that? Right. <laughs> Did you forget that? Uh, all right. So you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned albums. I, I hear you're working on your fourth, right? How's, what's, how's it going? How's it going? What's going on with it? Yeah. So, I mean, I release stuff all the time, but the, the comedy specials take a couple of years in between uh, to uh, to write the material. And so I release I release singles pretty regularly throughout the year. I actually just put out a, a cover, um, which I don't normally do. Um, but this, I dreamt an arrangement of uh, I want to be sedated by the Ramones. And it is a sedated arrangement. It's done with all acoustic guitars, uh, three-part vocal harmonies, and totally slowed down. Um, so it sounds like the Ramones on opium. Oh, okay. And uh, so normally I don't put out covers, but I dreamt this stupid arrangement. I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of interesting. I've never heard it. I'm going to do it. So uh, that just came out. But I am working on my fourth comedy special. There's been other albums and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm writing the, uh, I'm about 60% uh, through on the writing of it, which is I'm about a year and a half into the writing process on that. So it takes quite a while to get a stand up record together. Sure. And, sure. Uh, and then. It'll take me another six months to put the production of it together and get all that going. So it'll be sometime, sometime probably next year that'll come out. But um, uh, as new things happen, I go, well, I got to talk about that, too. But I think one of the themes of the show is uh, is going to be modern life and how technology and modern life is affecting uh, even affecting us even down to basic biology. Uh, let alone how we treat each other. So that's kind of a theme that's coming out in the show. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. And is it a mix uh, like your act or is it all music? So th that will be a live show. Uh, the funny thing is as a comedian, oh, okay. Go yeah, awesome. it's awesome. Uh, yeah, as a comedian, you, uh, you end up putting out live albums more than anything because that's where the magic happens is yeah. when there's an audience there. So um, yeah, it is, it is my live show. And uh, the last one I did pretty from the back, that one uh, came out about an hour, 15 minutes. And this one will probably be about the same. Uh, so in between that, then I start I, I put out uh, musical singles, studio recorded singles, um, just to keep everybody on board with what's going on so that I don't have to make them wait two, three years <laughs> to hear the next thing from me. So that's that's interesting. So because I've seen others, I've seen other uh, live shows. So you're writing the show now and then yep. you, you'll go out and you'll do you'll do multiple shows recording this. Is that, is that right? That's normally how it's done. I have always kind of cut things right on the edge and I do one show and nice. I film it and record it. Nice. And, uh, and very little gets cut out of it. Uh, if there's mistakes, I usually enjoy the mistakes. Um, and, and I think in all my specials, there's, you know, a couple of giant blatant mistakes that are in there, but the audience laughs and we have a good time with it. And I like that sort of imperfection of it because a lot of comedy specials are, they do, they'll take three or four shows, cut together the best parts, um, especially the stuff you see on Comedy Central. Those are really butchered and it doesn't give you the true experience of what it's like to sit in front of that comic and and see them do their show. So I try to make mine a little more uh, true to life and and leave some of the warts in. Okay, all right, very cool. And and so in the meantime, you're 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 doing your shows, 
uh, at comedy clubs. Where can uh, what do you got coming up next? Uh, let's see. Next uh, this week, actually this week when this comes out, I will be going to Oregon. I'll be at the Mill Casino in Coos Bay on the 14th, and then I'm doing uh, uh, June 16th and 17th at Chadwick's in Medford, Oregon, and then I go to Seven Cedars Casino on the 21st, uh, Seven Nightclub in Bend, Oregon on the 23rd, and uh, a show in Bremerton, Washington on the 24th at a place called Mobster Mike's, I think. So uh, all the tour dates, of course, are available on my website, uh, philjohnsoncomedy.com, and I travel all over the country. I know I've got Colorado coming up, uh, Iowa, a bunch of different places. When, when do you get down to Southern California? When's that, when's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? Yeah, I, I should get down there more often than I than I do. Um, I might I might swing down in July to do a couple of sets. I was just down there. Uh, I did the Pachanga Casino in Temecula a few oh, weeks ago. Awesome. That's like 45 minutes from here. Oh, yeah. It was uh, great shows. Really fun shows. We did. Uh, they got a nice little comedy club there. So it was it was fun. All right. Well, I, I will follow you. And, and uh, so will our audience. And Sweet. Uh, would love to meet you someday. That'd be great. Yeah. OK. Uh, thank you for your time, Phil. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me. You can get all the details and links about comedian Phil Johnson and his comedic band, Roadside Attraction, in our show notes. It's Cast Party Giveaway Keyword Time. You can win four free tickets to any future show at IO Chicago in Chicago, Illinois. Your keyword is Chi-Town. C-H-I-T-O-W-N. Just go to the podcast1000s.com website and click on Cast Party. Enter your email address, first and last name, and the giveaway keyword, Chi-Town. C-H-I-T-O-W-N. And click Submit. And you're entered for a chance to win. Four free tickets to any future show at I.O. Chicago. In Chicago, Illinois. Good luck! <coughs> Music's always been important to me. Whether I'm doing modern imaginative dance or the belly dance, I like listening to a lot of different music. I thought I'd let artists and bands submit their music to the podcast of thousands and we'd showcase it for them in each episode. Here's a song called I Wanna Rock, Socially Responsibly, by the comedic band Roadside Attraction, who are from Northern California. I picked this song from Roadside Attraction because I interviewed comedian Phil Johnson, it's his band, and he made me. If you like it, you can get all the information you need about Roadside Attraction in our show notes. Enjoy. One, two, three, four! Some yoga, you reach 
You've been listening to the podcast of thousands. If you're a performer and want to be on our show, check us out at www.podcastofthousands.com and click on Get On. Since you're already online, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate us, five stars or higher, and leave us your comments. You can find all the details in our show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and to all you performers out there, break a leg.